Welcome to The Performance Show, a videocast interviewing athletes, coaches, and sports scientists from around the globe. Please welcome your host, Lachlan Puyol from Puyol Athletic Development and Performance. Welcome to episode 13 of The Performance Show. So Alan Perez uh, from Australia joins us today. So Alan plays on the WTA Tour uh, and prior to that played at the University of Georgia and she has reached a high ranking of 162 uh, in singles and 41 in doubles. So just for you guys out there, Alan has just uh, arrived in New York, um, ready to play the Cincinnati tournament. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> so when did, when did you um, get in? Into New York, you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, so I just arrived today actually around 2 p.m. Um, actually, it was quite a bit of a process at the airport. It took a bit to get through customs and whatnot. There's there a lot of players. We're all arriving pretty much today and tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, now it's obviously 8.30 at night. But, um, yeah, we're in 24-hour lockdown for the um, next little bit till we get our test results and then hoping to start training because, yeah, Cincinnati does start around the 22nd. Okay, so you've got about a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in terms of training, what does that look like for you? Do you have your coach here or do you have to seek out other hitting partners? Um, yeah, it's a bit different now. Um, I, I work with Tennis Australia and I've always had coaching support on the road. But um, because of the virus, um, they're a little hesitant to be able to send coaches overseas, especially with um, the insurance policies and whatnot. So I know they are maybe considering hiring an American coach um, to help out, especially with the girls like Lizette Cabrera and Madison Inglis and those who are main draw singles. Um, I've come over and I'm playing with Storm Sanders the, uh, in these two weeks and I'm not really sure if we'll have any support or not. Um, we've come over alone, kind of just having each other and, you know, we'll, we'll make do and make practices work and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I guess it's still up in the air whether we'll have someone around or not. Are you uh, looking to qualify for singles as well? Um, well, my singles ranking right now is around 247. Um, and I do have the opportunity if I wanted to, to go over to um, Europe and play in the Prague 125, which is, it's considered a substitute event for the US Open qualifying singles. So they're offering the same points and money if you want to play in um, Europe. But uh, yeah, at the moment I was looking at that option, but then since there was nothing on in Europe for these next two weeks, I decided that I would just come here and play Cincinnati and probably just stay here and play US Open doubles. Um, but yeah, there is obviously the new rule that they brought in that a doubles player can be the first on-site alternate um, for the singles event. And kind of looking down the list and seeing how many doubles players have decently high singles, I would maybe, it just depends. Obviously the list is moving very quickly right now with a lot of players withdrawing. Um, I think right now I'm sitting at maybe third so alternate um yeah so it could be something that maybe plays a factor i think it has to be that a player withdraws within four days of the event starting um for us doubles players to get in as alternates but i mean we're definitely closer as getting in as a doubles alternate than as a singles um yeah my singles is a little bit out of main draw uh, i really hope you do get in um not just for uh ranking points wise but you probably haven't played a apart from the Prague tournament uh, in a while uh, since the lockdown in Melbourne? Yeah, I haven't had, obviously, a great deal of opportunities to play. I mean, it was great. Tennis Australia put on some UTR events and they were awesome. But um, in terms of getting that next level of competition, playing these girls that are, you know, 100 in the world and 
you know, competing day in, day out on the pro tour. I haven't had any matches like that. And I don't think Prague was a great example. I just, uh, very ill prepared for that. I flew in the kind of two days before and was in lockdown all the way up until the day of the match. And I haven't hit on clay in a year and a half or so. So there's a lot of factors that went into such a, uh, a poor first um, tennis tournament. But yeah, no, I am looking forward to getting back out there and I think it will take a few matches and hopefully I do get that opportunity to play. It's just, it's difficult to know when with, you know, there's such little tournaments on offer and, you know, obviously everyone's wanting to play and it's hard to predict what these um, cuts will look like, but um, wherever I can play, I'm trying to get into. And I, I feel like other players have different sort of advantages. They all had different uh, lockdown procedures depending on the country that they came from. Um, probably over in Europe, um, they were a little bit more lax because there were probably less cases. So they could have, have a bit more training compared to what you probably had. Yeah, I haven't spoken to a lot of girls to like compare exactly what was what people had. Um, I do think towards the start when Europe was obviously looking bad, they were in more of a lockdown than us. But then I think Australia has been very, you know, cautious and proactive about it that we took um, maybe more of a safer approach towards the end of it than what Europe and um, whatnot have. I do know that a lot of the European girls, from what's seeing them at the tournament, they are not lacking good tennis, that's for sure. They're, the competition, the level's pretty high. So um, I'm assuming, yeah, a lot of girls have had a good amount of training and match play, to be honest, yeah. Yeah. And what do the uh, safety protocols look like um, for the US Open in Cincinnati? Um, well, I've obviously just gone on site. They've, they've made good mention of what's going to take place. Um, it sounds a little bit different than what took place last week. Um, they're very tight with their protocols and procedures. Obviously, um, for us, we arrived at the airport and, you know, got transport. It's only meant to be, you know, yourself or you can have others, but it puts you at risk putting yourself with another person in the car from the airport. Um, you know, masks have to be worn. Um, we got here and straight away we had to do our um, nasal testing. And if you wanted to do the antibody test, you could. And then we were put into our hotel rooms and, you know, now it's 24 hour lockdown um, until we get our test results back. Um, you know, and we can get Uber Eats, but the, the um, player services will collect it for you downstairs and bring it up to minimize, you know, contact with, um, I guess the Uber drivers and stuff like that. Um, can't leave the hotel um, for any reason. Um, tournament to get to the tournament site, everyone has to catch a bus. There's no private transports. Um, yeah, on site, everyone has to wear a mask, good social distancing, no eating on site unless it's, you know, a match day. Um, everything's kind of moved to being outside or being takeaway as much as possible. Um, yeah, I, I think last week, it, everything's, you know, trial and error. And I think each week from Paloma to Prague to here, they're tightening certain things that are, you know, they think will make a big difference. I know, like, in Prague, for example, last week, they were a little less strict. It was obviously, like, the guidelines were advised not to leave the hotel and we recommend and you know it wasn't mandatory to stay within the hotel and now here it is if you leave you're out of the tournament you know so definitely um tightening those restrictions but i think that's you know super important especially for this tournament to be successful with how many people are here i think that's the best thing so we'll see how well it goes yeah it all just depends on the national guidelines here the cdc is um pretty strict also given the fact that new york was the major hotspot in the US back uh, a couple of months ago. So um, they've come a long way to put on a tournament like the US Open. So that's um, a really positive sign uh, going forward. Yeah. 
So going um, forward uh, after the US Open, do you travel, um, are you planning to travel, sorry, um, to Paris for the for Roland Garros? Yeah, I am. I, since I've made the decision to leave Australia, um, I'm trying to play as many tournaments as I can. Um, and yeah, I guess after this, I would head over back to Europe and, you know, it depends how well I go, but there's the tour that are looking like there's Istanbul on, there's Rome or Strasbourg, and then there's the French Open. And then, yeah, so they're all on my radar, trying to play in all of those. I guess it's, you know, week by week, whether they actually take place with all the, you know, cases kind of rising in Europe right now. Um, and then they've got a tour kind of going back into Asia after that, or you can go to the back to like Linz in Austria or, um, Moscow so I don't know I don't know past French Open what I'll decide to do um, definitely try and make the tour as long as possible because I know going back into Australia we have a two-week um, hotel isolation that we have to pay for um, so I feel it'd be a bit useless to come over for just like a couple of events and go back and you know have to pay the price and be in lockdown so yeah definitely want to make um, my trip worth it you know yeah do you think travel expenses have gone up uh, traveling to different tournaments due to the COVID? So, for example, are you paying for your hotel or does the um, tournament provide that for players? Uh, at the US Open, it's great. They're, they're providing um, two weeks of free accommodation, um, one room paid for. I guess if you're traveling with a, uh, a coach or a guest or whatnot, you have to pay for that room um, for the for the two weeks and I guess yeah since you are being forced to be here four days early for the testing procedures you know that that could be something where you're actually probably paying a little more um, for that extra guest but in terms of what they're doing for the players yeah we're, we're fully covered um, you know if someone was to get the virus and need to stay longer the US Open said that they will cover stuff like that um, I know last week in Prague in WTAs they always cover your um, per diem while you're still in the event um, and the good thing is just with the US Open, if you were to lose in Cincinnati early, um, they're still covering you up until you start in the event and you finish in the US Open. So, yeah, no, they're doing um, a good job in that aspect and making sure that, you know, we're the ones, you know, taking a big risk here and they're willing to, um, yeah, cover the cost for that. If we go back to your um, days as, as a college player um, at the University of Georgia, do you feel like that experience there, the four years um, playing college tennis in the US, prepared you uh, better for the tour compared to if you tried to start at like 18, 19? Yeah, I definitely think college tennis can't hinder you. I think it's a, it's a great pathway for me personally. I don't think I was ready to go from, you know, training and whatnot and playing where I was in Australia onto full competition um, internationally. I don't think I had been exposed to international tennis as much. Um, I kind of neglected doing the ITF tour and I had plenty of injuries. And just for me personally, I thought it was a great um, way to be able to go and at least do um, have a backup degree um, and see how I go competing against other girls. In the, um, you know, especially in the US, it is such a strong competition. Um, and yeah, with me having so many injuries, that, that was also a really important factor. But um, no, I think college really teaches you how to... Um, it teaches you how to um, compete on the court, um, work as a team. Um, obviously, time management and things like that are, are really important. I think all of those like little skills you can learn just translate really well into the pro tour. Um, I know like now we all travel. There's a good bunch of girls who are especially doubles players, but still singles players that we all travel to these WTA events. And I think it's great to have had that um, college background and like community um, where we all kind of come from the same thing. And we all like now are a big family and, you know, kind of work together on the WTA. And I think, yeah, without um, having gone to college, you, you, 
you don't know where you kind of fit in. You don't um, have your group of people. And yeah, so for me, I think it's important. Obviously, there's the, the few anomalies who are extremely good, um, young, like, you know, like Cece Bellis, Ash Barty, for example. Those girls who are just like, you wouldn't go the college pathway because um, you're obviously doing well young. But if you're outside the top 300, I say it's, it's the way to go. Oh, I agree for sure. And I mean, there's so many other benefits apart from tennis. You get a college uh, degree that you can use all around the world. You probably mature as a person. I mean, I know I did. My family probably don't think I did. <laughs> um, but no, that's, that's great. Um, if, if, we, if we look back at um, 2020 during the isolation period, did you get many opportunities to train? I did personally. Um, I got extremely lucky with just my timing of everything. I flew back from Indian Wells straight back into, I flew into Melbourne because that's where I usually train and live. Um, but then I made the decision to go back to Sydney straight away as soon as I landed. And my family's from Sydney. That's where I grew up. Um, and my boyfriend lives in Sydney. So I made the decision to go to Sydney, kind of spend some time there. Um, and then as things started to lock down, I just stayed in Sydney and it turned out to be a good play just because Melbourne in particularly like locked down tennis courts and um, being able to access um, yeah, courts in the community. Whereas back in Sydney, um, there were still courts available. You could still coach and train. Um, and my boyfriend had a tennis court at his house. So it, it kind of made sense and was really easy for me to just stay in Sydney and keep continuing what I was wanting to do. And then as, yeah, after about a month, Melbourne opened up with everything and I went back to the training centre and was training with everyone. And that was really nice to get the group of girls. And, you know, it's not often that you have all the players, all the top girls in Australia in one area. Um, obviously, we all spread out around the world usually. So that was great. And I stayed for about a month until I decided to go back to Sydney because um, they were holding the UTR events. And I was just thinking, why like stay in Melbourne the whole time when I've got family and, you know, back in Sydney, like split my time up. And as I left to go back to Sydney, then Melbourne went into a really big lockdown again, um, just because they had a huge spike in cases. So now Sydney's in, uh, sorry, Melbourne's in like stage four lockdown. No one can train, no one can do anything. So yeah, I just timed my moving around Australia extremely well and it never really hindered me. Like obviously my schedule changed, but um, being able to like get on court and, you know, do some, physical work, I was still able to be accountable and get that in myself. What are the facilities like at the US Open? I know you haven't um, been out of your hotel, but um, you, you might have an idea of what it's like or you've seen what it was like in previous years. Yeah, I've been to the US Open now the past two years. Um, so kind of familiar with the courts. Um, since obviously they turned it into a COVID site, um, I'm not exactly sure if there's areas that have changed or locked down. Um, I don't think they're using the big show courts as in like Arthur Ashe um, and whatnot. But yeah, I think they would use one of the grandstands and all the outside courts. Um, but yeah, as for procedures and, you know, how it looks as they've, you know, the golf buggies going around and things like that and, you know, having access to big dining rooms and things. I don't, I'm not sure. So it might look very different. Yeah. And a big part of, um, I guess, a, a big um, hot topic that's uh, up for debate is whether or not a coach should be present, uh, change events um, on the WTA tour. I'm not sure if they're talking about that on the ATB tour. What's your preference on that? Um, for me personally, I, I prefer no coach. Well, I mean, it is, I think it just levels the playing field. Obviously, a lot of players, you know, maybe don't have the luxury of being able to afford a coach or it, it puts an extra strain on, you know, being feeling like you're, 
you know, behind the game if you don't take a coach. And I think tennis, it's, it's great to see like a player be able to like work it out for themselves. I think that's what makes a great player is, you know, being able to, you know, see what's going on in the match and change accordingly. And I think when you start using a coach, is it you that's getting the win? I mean, it still is, but, you know, would you have been able to turn that around without them? And I think players are becoming way too reliable on coaches these days. So I personally would like to see no coaches, but I do see it from the side of a spectator and watching it on TV. When you when you do see the coach come out and you can hear the information they're giving, it is quite kind of interesting to tune in. It does, you know, add another element to the game. But, um, yeah, as a player standpoint, I, I'm not a huge fan. But, yeah, I, I do see from a, you know, fan standpoint, it's actually kind of nice. Yeah, for a, for a fan, I think it's, um, yeah, really uh, entertaining, uh, especially for... Uh, people who don't play tennis, they can kind of get a better idea of uh, what's going on. But um, the fact that you talk about not really having a, a coach on the change of ends, I mean, I think of Nick Kyrgios, who doesn't want a coach at all. Um, and he goes out there, he's beaten the top three players um, without a coach, and he, he, he uh, he's worked it out for himself. So um, I guess it's each to their own, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, plenty of players... Um either have really good um, understanding of the game or, you know, for me personally, it's more, I don't like to be clouded with, you know, too many thoughts and opinions. Um, sometimes if I, you know, if a coach might say, you know, you've got to do cross court twice and then you've got to open up to the forehand. Sometimes, you know, you they're giving you such a strong ball. And if you start thinking, oh my God, I've got to go to the forehand now here, you know, you're playing the wrong ball off, off its merit because you've got to think to get to their weaker side. Whereas I'd rather play the ball on its merit and just kind of do my own thing. Or, you know, sometimes play to my strengths rather than what they're doing, what they don't have as maybe their weakness as such. So yeah, I don't, I think sometimes you can play with my, my brain if I think yeah. too much or listen to something and then try and force it too much. So yeah, it's, it's very different how some people read the game and, you know, like to interpret yeah. it. And last question before we go, Alan. Um, so you've obviously travelled uh, a lot in your tennis career, your young career. What is the best way to get over the jet lag, <laughs> having just having just landed? Yeah, for me, I feel like I'm, I'm never really jet lagged. Um, some places actually, I feel in America, going from like the three-hour change or something like that is actually one of the hardest. It is. Rather than going um, across the, um, obviously, continents. Uh, for me, I normally try and sleep according to the country I'm going to. So I always have up my um, world clock and I'll be like, okay, you know, it's maybe 1 p.m. where I'm traveling from, but it's like, you know, 11 p.m. there where I'm going. So I'm like, all right, sleep now and try and get in a good amount of sleep in that time. And then when I wake up, you know, I'm, I'm on their clock rather than the clock that I've just left. Um, I think that's probably my big key. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I think my body responds well to just like, you know, whenever I, if I force myself to stay up, I'll stay up. If I want to go to sleep, like I can fall asleep pretty easily. It's, so. it's not easy to do, especially if you fly economy. Would you, um, would you try and go business to have that advantage, even though it's a bit more of an expense? Uh, personally, I haven't really flown business ever. I don't think. I mean, on short flights, you know, I might upgrade just because it's not much or it's, you know, the same price type of thing. But yeah, I mean, it's something I'm starting to consider. It would be more so if I'm flying and, you know, I know I'm playing within a certain amount of time. I did look at it for this flight, but I was kind of like, I'm in a hotel for 24 hours after I get here. I've got so many days to prepare. Um, but there is times where you might be flying on a short, you know, like you got to get to that next one and might play the next day. And I think that's, you know, kind of when it will become important to have that. But um, yeah, when I do do those big flights, generally because I'm coming from Australia or something like that, we are leaving with a good amount of time. So I kind of 
say it's worth saving the money yes. than um, yeah. feeling great. <laughs> All right, Alan, I'll be um, respectful of your time. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you must be pretty tired after a um, 24-hour flight uh, coming from, from Europe. Maybe it wasn't 24 hours, but either way, it's still a long flight. Um, good luck for Cincinnati and the US Open going forward. And I'm uh, sure to be following you in the future. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem.